for people who don't know you out there, what um, tell us a bit more about yourself, you know, about HubSpot and about, you know, kind of what you've been doing in, in your career. All right. So I'm the luckiest guy in the world, right? You got to start right there. Things happen to me. I do a lot of stuff. There's no question about it, right? I'm up at 530 every morning. I'm a very prolific Zoom user. I um, uh, like, uh, like to do a lot of different things. I travel, I don't know, 50% of the time. Uh, I speak 60 times a year on behalf of HubSpot, but I am the luckiest guy in the world. I started my career as a bass player in a heavy metal rock and roll band right? Hair down to my back. It was awesome. And I know I don't like look like your typical like a heavy metal headbanger, but being a bass player is a great foundation for being a good business person. Because if you're a guitar player or a singer, right, you want the spotlight. You're all egotistical. You want like to be the center of attention. Bass players aren't like that. Do you know any bass players, Michael? Uh, well, I don't personally know any. But <laughs> All right, they're great people. Let me tell okay. you, go find a bass player, right? yeah. man or women. They, they're more collaborative. They're more about uh, the rhythm section, working yeah. with the drummer, and then about the total sound, right? And a lot of stuff that I learned in business, right, was uh, the foundation was being a bass player in this, in this band. And I played in a variety of places. But um, I think I was 24, 25, decided that uh, I liked making more than $25 US a week, right? When you can't yeah. afford to buy sneakers at the like shoe store, you're yeah. it's probably time to go into a new career. So I had worked my way through college, through university selling books door to door. And uh, this was 1976 and 1977. And I learned a ton. It was my first real sales job. Um, and it was fairly lucrative. And I, I learned a lot. It was the Southwestern Corporation of Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, for the rest of my life, I'm indebted to them because they taught me sales skills that were uh, applicable for the next 40 years. Um, and I started uh, selling computers in um, 1983 in downtown Boston. And it, you weren't even born in 1983, were you? No, I was born in 1989. So <laughs> okay, so five years before you were born, the way you bought a computer is you went into a store. Yeah. And uh, they cost a lot of money, like 20 grand. Right. And um, when they first came out, everybody um, like went into a retail store to buy a computer. Now you just buy them through uh, an Apple store. Sometimes you buy them through the mail, things like that. But they were super expensive. And so uh, I went to work for uh, a company who uh, was selling mainly Apple computers. And uh, I was a good salesperson. Right. I did a needs analysis. I understood what was going on. It was um, pretty impactful. Then uh, my boss comes to me and um, he says, uh, I'm leaving. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's too bad. You're a good guy. He's like, I'm going to a startup. And I'm like, what's a startup? He goes, it's a small company that's going to grow quick. I'm like, all right, we'll have a good time. He's like, no, 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 I want to bring you with me. I'm like, uh, I got a job, have a good time. He goes, I'll pay you two grand more. I'm like, yeah, I'm a startup guy, startup nation, let's go. So I started with this company, Businessland, in 1980, it was probably 84. And um, this company scaled from a couple of million dollars to $1.4 billion over the next nine years. And I worked wow. for him in Boston and uh, Framingham and LA and San Francisco. And my last responsibility was in New York City, right? Where I ran an organization, about 300 people, a quarter of a billion dollar distribution selling to the biggest corporations in the world. And it was wow. amazing. I got hooked on hyper growth. Uh, I met Bill Gates. I worked with Steve Jobs. The company Businessland had an exclusive to sell um, Next computers, 
which when Steve Jobs got kicked out of Apple, he went to Next. So um, like Steve would come to New York and I would work with him uh, periodically to um, to introduce Next Computers to uh, our customers. And uh, so super fun. Uh, and that was a 10 year joyride. It was a great corporate culture. It was super quick growth. It was super interesting. It was like getting an MBA because the, the industry moved very, very quickly. Uh, and then I left and I started my own company, an agency around a technology called Lotus Notes. And I started in my dining room. I grew it to um, $5 million, had an office on Wall Street and in Needham, Massachusetts. And then in 1997, sold that company to a Phoenix-based company. That's how I got to Arizona. The combined companies then grew to $25 million, six locations throughout North America, about 250 people. And uh, it was just super fun. I was the EVP of sales, marketing, and professional services, I think. Um, we uh, were um, raised $30 million. We uh, uh, had a software development team. Uh, I was on the board of directors. It was super fun. My third startup went bankrupt, which like uh, taught me business planning and humility. Right, like when you're Dan Tire, and uh, you should have seen the earlier Dan Tire. I wasn't as humble as probably I am today. A little bit egotistical, a little like master of the universe, a little annoying. And um, like when you go through a difficult situation where you have to go to um, like eight locations and tell your employees and your um, like um, people you rent space from that you're going out of business, it really you grow up a little bit and you yeah. uh, learn some new skills. And you learn a little bit about yourself. And it was harrowing at the time. It was very, very difficult. I couldn't sleep at night. I was feeling uh, like depressed and dejected. And um, but once you get through it, you realize, you know, things happen in life. Those, are, if you can push through and you can keep going, that that's important. My fourth startup got bought out by Microsoft, right? And I was there for uh, six years. Groove Networks. The vice president of sales was this guy Brian Halligan. So when um, Microsoft bought out Groove. He went to MIT and met Darmesh. I worked for Microsoft for a year. And in 2007, when he started HubSpot, he called me up. Brian Halligan, the CEO of HubSpot, called me up and said, I want you to come work for HubSpot. I'm like, I live in Arizona. He's like, ask your wife. And I'm like, Amy, can I go to Boston four weeks out of the month? She's like, no. I'm like, how about three <laughs> weeks out of the month? She's like, no, we got two kids. I'm like, how about two weeks out of the month? She's like, no. I go, how about one week out of the month? She's like, maybe. And so I'm like, how again, I can only be there one week out of the month. He goes, that's all right. It's 2007. You can like work remote. Let's try it. So I was the first salesperson for HubSpot. And then uh, with the growth of the organization, uh, I moved to a manager level, a director level. I did sales recruiting, sales training, uh, the leadership program. Uh, I ran the international division for a while. I started a program called Spider Monkey. Uh, I worked with uh, John Sullivan, and we started a, a program called HubSpot for startups. And I've been at, uh, and still am full time at HubSpot over the last twelve and a half years. It's the crowning jewel to my business career. Uh, in the last five years, I would say I've probably done thirty-five angel investments. I speak sixty times a year uh, all over the world. This year, I've been to uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. I've been to uh, Campanis, Brazil. I was in um, Copenhagen. I've been to London twice. I've been to Dublin twice, uh, Mexico City, uh, headed to Israel in uh, December. And um, I have a book out called The Inbound Organization, everything I learned about, um, about inbound through HubSpot. Brian Allen wrote the, um, the forward to it. 
Um, I mentor about 35 folks. I uh, still active with HubSpot for startups. I do office hours where I help entrepreneurs scale. Uh, I blog twice a, um, a month on the HubSpot sales blog, which has been super impactful. And um, I'm like um, living a great life. Married 30 years, two beautiful kids. Uh, I'm an empty nester now, so I have a little bit of extra time. And um, as you see on the screen, my like um, my mission statement is to do the most good that I can for the universe. And I'm serious about that, and it's super fun. I, I know you know this, Michael, but the more people you help, right, the luckier you get, right? Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, well, that's, that's that, that little thing called karma that, uh, that people talk about, so... Yeah, you can call it karma, you can call it the law of attraction, you can call it the secret, you can call it the golden rule, but the more people you help, first of all, I, I, I do help a lot of people uh, because a few things. Number one, everybody needs a little help, and I think it's a little yeah. harder now in 2019. When I was growing up, if you did something stupid, your parents would yell at you, and then you didn't do it anymore. Today, right, we live in a universe where uh, people are constantly uh, very opinionated, they're constantly shaming you. They're constantly yeah. like uh, pointing at you and it's all done online. So it lasts forever. Yeah. Your life is over when you're 22, when you make normal, bad yeah. judgment decisions at 22. Right. Yeah. So I feel like if uh, I can play a role in helping people navigate uh, the 21st century, right. In whatever capacity, if you're an entrepreneur, I want you to scale your business. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. If you're like uh, just a regular person, I want to be available to you to uh, like not answer questions and tell you what to do, but to uh, ask you questions so you can think intentionally about what you're doing. And then um, I, like uh, of some economic means, I want to make sure that we're supporting the right type of um, people and companies so that uh, they can continue to do a good job of um, like uh, continually improving, right? Yep. And uh, the great news in 2019, we're all connected. Right. Yeah. So if anybody needs anything, right, I tell people you're Michael Hansen, you can do anything. And I break that down. And number one, you don't have a twin brother, do you? No, no, I have two brothers, but neither of them are twins. Okay. So you're the only Michael yeah. Hansen like you that we have. And like everybody else, you got super good strengths, right? You're articulate, you're scaling a business, you have a big heart, right? You probably have some weaknesses. Right. Course, Everybody's yeah. like that. In 2019, yeah. everybody focuses on the, the stuff that they don't do or they can't do. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's just celebrate Michael Hansen as an English speaking, nice <laughs> entrepreneur who like wants to help people has this great podcast. Right. And uh, like in today's world, rarely do people take a step back, be intentional about their good attributes. So I want them to do that. Number two, you know, you can do anything. Right. And yeah. all you got to do is decide what you want to do. Once again, be intentional. And then you have to understand and write it down. There's a huge advantage of writing things down. Do you know what it is when you write things down? Do uh, you remember them and they become kind of ingrained in you as well? That's right. So there's yeah. like all these different levels, but um, there's this book called Succeed, How to Accomplish Your Goals by Dr. Heidi Halverson. She's a Columbia PhD. She spent two years researching uh, like goal setting. And there's two types of goals. There's why goals and what goals. Why goals are why you want to do something and what goals are what you need to do to get it done. And which is easier for you when you decide to do something, are you better at figuring out your why or what you need to do? I think why actually. Um, yeah, I've always know why I want to do something. It's often the execution that, that can be the hard part. 
Okay, so it falls into um, like different categories. Some people are like, I know my, why I want to do this. Some people are like, no, I know what I, what I want to do. I got to do this, 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 and this. I just don't know why I'm doing it. But both are very important to understand, right, how you're going to do something, especially if, it's, uh, if it uh, requires a change in behavior or it's a little Right, so when you write it down, first of all, um, you're in a minority, right? Most people won't write it down, and it's for a variety of reasons. Number one, they don't know the importance. Number two, they wanna be held accountable. Number three, they are fearful that they're not gonna make it, right? There's all of these like mind games you play. My buddy yep. Jordan Martinez calls it head trash, right? All this like head trash that you have because uh, like, oh, I don't really know if I wanna do it. That's kind of dopey. It seems like elementary, but that's not true super, super important, right? And then once you write it down, you can give it to your significant other. You can give it to your mentor. You can give it to your business partner. You can say, this is what I want to accomplish. You can discuss it. You can monitor it. You can see if you're ahead or behind, right? And it has a huge difference. So uh, for the last 40 years, I've been writing down my goals. And one of the reasons I've been insanely successful in business, in my uh, personal career, in uh, the things that I want to do is that every year, right, I write down those goals. I understand uh, like how important they are. And um, then I refer to them every month. I've got something in my calendar where uh, for 30 minutes at the end of every month, I review how I did against my goals for the year. Uh, I uh, strongly recommend if you go to dantire.com, you'll see there's the tire uh, mentor program. And that's yep. designed like there's a process there uh, of um, helping people scale, right? And any of your podcast listeners, if they're interested, they just go to uh, the tire mentor program. They get all of the information that they need. There's some requirements. We make you do a little bit of the work, but we will be happy to assign you a mentor of somebody who can hold you accountable to like work through this process and like it's super fun and uh feel like we're making an impact in the world it helps people like scale it doesn't matter there there are 14 year old yeah. kids in the bronx all the way to uh, entrepreneurs uh, ceos of 30 million dollar companies and awesome. uh, yeah it is and it's just super fun we have um, a couple of dozen of really good uh mentors there's uh almost 100 mentees now in the program and nice. uh, I know, and it's just a, a great way to uh, try to help people navigate through the 21st century. Nice. So, kind of, you've said so many kind of wise things, and also just your journey. I had, I had no. Obviously, I know a lot about HubSpot. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't oh, know yeah. a lot. Of, I didn't know a lot about the the things before. But there was also one. Probably the next question is going to be um, about your journey and like what you've learned with startups. But something you said regarding, um, you know, we're kind of in this generation where people are just pointing fingers at each other on the internet. Often they're focusing on on weaknesses rather than strengths. And I actually saw. Um, there was a story about Obama that went viral recently and you know politicians always have people that love them and hate them but I think what he said was was quite wise and he said that a lot of young people nowadays um, they're always you know just just like you said looking at the weaknesses and, and pointing fingers at each other and they're not having a debate and it's not kind of open dialogue and, and that you know I'm only 30 and that's something that really hit with me because sometimes I do look around at millennials and think you know where's where's the dialogue between each other so one question I had for you is uh, it, what I like the, obviously you know you've been working in in sales and business since the 80s for a long time you've scaled all these startups as you were saying 
what what are skill sets that you think you know were valuable before that haven't necessarily been taken forward to 2019 that you think young people could use more of Okay, so uh, first of all, you've got to start with the concept that um, everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses, right? Uh, yeah. I um, started my business career as a salesperson, right? And that was a very good place to start, continues to be a very good place to start in 2019, right? Because um, sales skills are people skills. Uh, Daniel Pink, have you ever heard of the uh, author and researcher Daniel Pink? I haven't, no. He wrote a book called To Sell is Human. And he's not really a sales guy. I'm actually a little yeah. jealous because he, um, he he's not a salesperson. He's got a best-selling sales book, right? And, but he's a researcher. You know how salespeople sometimes talk about closing the sale and answering yeah. the objections and yeah. uh, like prospecting. And uh, yeah. uh, he's like, what is all that? I don't understand. From a layman's term, let me dig in and really understand what that means. And when he did the research, he's like, wait a second, right? Selling is uh, just getting your point across. Every minute of every day, you're either buying or selling. Right now, I'm talking to your podcasters or to the listeners. They're either like, yeah, I'm into this, or they're like rolling their eyes going, oh my goodness, this guy's insufferable, right? Yeah. So um, if you're doing it every minute of every day, right, you might as well get good at it. And selling is the process of identifying the best way to get an idea across. And you do it with yeah. your significant other, you do it with your parents, you do it with your coworkers, you do it with your new employees, you do it with everyone. And it is a very important component. Uh, it, it, like it, the inbound revolution, right? We call that personalization and customization. But if you're not a person who responds well to the big entire energy, then I'm going to recognize that. <laughs> that uh, I like the pause there. I'm going to speak. <laughs> much differently <laughs> i'm going to use multiple syllable words my pace and my volume is going to be considerably different and to some people that's freaky they're like dan dan are you sick i'm like no 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 i'm relating the information to the way a um introvert would yeah. better understand and relate to that information uh, Dharmesh Shah, the co-founder of HubSpot, a great guy, uh, a self-proclaimed introvert. Although I don't know if you can be an introvert and speak to 25,000 people at Inbound every year. Uh, yeah. He is hilarious. He's uh, the heart and soul of HubSpot. He's got a huge heart, right? Uh, comes from a modest background in a small town in India and uh, on the board of directors and co-founder of HubSpot. Uh, brilliant, brilliant guy. And um, like... The key is um, to understand and relate to the person that you're talking to, right? When you take it to that level, right, it's a little bit different. So I would say one of the most important skills for your listeners is a sales skills. Number two, I frequently uh, mention that everything changed for me in 2007, right? Because the way we ran companies previously was seat of our pants, right? In that uh, we had a gut feel right? And um, that we didn't necessarily have access to all the data. In, in 2019, you have to be data-driven. You have to have all the analytics. And there's tons of uh, inexpensive software products that give you the right information to the right person at the right time. In the old days, it was more of, this is my opinion. Today, it's let's get the data and the facts. That permeates HubSpot and all of the um, companies that I've invested in. And then uh, I think um, some of the uh, other like really important uh, personal attributes are emotional intelligence, 
right? And the ability to uh, work together with other folks. It's not so much like what you know, because things change so quickly. I was just talking to uh, one of our recruiters at UpSpot, Alicia Zhang. And uh, Alicia uh, was in the sales organization. Then we moved her to be a recruiter because that was her interest in doing that. And uh, it's because it's so critical to find the right folks. And uh, she was saying that um, one of the uh, two of the characteristics that are super important is number one, um, uh, coachability, the ability to learn things because things change so quickly. If you can't be coached of how to improve, you're going to uh, scuffle a little bit. And the second is humility. Right, the ability to understand that in a like um, in the 21st century you go up and down. There's all of this um, like uh, challenges that are put in front of you, and uh, one of the things that I uh, uh, explain to people that uh, I work with is that um, when you're faced with a lot of different stimuli, sometimes you eat the big dog. Right? If you're having a good day, are you having a good day today, Mike? Yeah, today's uh, today's been a great day. Yep, you're looking good. Like yeah. it's a little bit cold in London, but like you're on a podcast with Dan Tyre, <laughs> you're like a little bit uh, excited about bringing this uh, information yeah. to you. And so you're eating the big dog. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Sometimes the big dog eats you. And have yeah. you ever had a day where you're like, oh my goodness, this is horrible? Yeah, of course. Well, I think, you know, my mom always says good days and bad days. And I think that's always set me in good stead because I know that if you have a bad day, you know, tomorrow, the probability is tomorrow could be a good day. So exactly. But people sometimes think of the 21st century. No, I'm insufficient. No, that was I did something. Oh, my goodness. I always have bad days. And they get into this rut because yeah. it's easy. All this negativity, all this blame. I'm not really sure why people blame. I think it uh, has mm. to do with their inability to accept personal responsibility. And uh, one of the foundations for me and for my relationships is I like people to take personal responsibility, right? I don't care about everybody else. I care about Dan Tire. Dan Tire yeah. is responsible for Dan Tire and the things that Dan Tire can influence, right? And I gotta be uh, like uh, intentional to understand what the right priorities are to make sure that I'm following through on my commitments and make sure that I have like, um, uh, like I'm, I'm leading by example, right? And uh, everything else is um, like ancillary. Everything else is like outside of my control zone. And sometimes, right, I'm gonna, like things are gonna be bad. It's gonna be hard. I got a little black cloud over my head. And sometimes just things fall into place. And uh, it's a little bit different based on your socioeconomic background and experience. But uh, in most cases, it's not always exact. And if you're uh, born in uh, difficult socioeconomic uh, circumstances, it's a lot harder. I don't mean to say that, but yeah. like in, in there, people have good days and bad days. And sometimes you eat the big dog boom, and you're great. Yeah. Sometimes the big dog eats you and boom, the key is you got to be like Taylor Swift. Do you know Taylor Swift? I, I do know Taylor Swift. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the song Shake It Off? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, I know of her, but I don't know her music so well. So. All right. Then I'm yeah. not going to ask you to sing a few bars, <laughs> but it's uh, like, she's got this song that says like the haters going to hate. And that yeah. just happened. Like you got to shake it off. It's no big deal. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean that it yeah. is uh, that you're like deficient. Doesn't the, the worst part is if you wallow in pity, you're like, Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't. And that's complete horseshit. What you want to know is you're Michael Hansen. You can do anything. And the third like, point of that is if you can't like, uh, figure it out, I want you to figure out who you can call or collaborate with to get what you want. 
if you can't fit, uh, think of anybody, you call me, right? You got on my calendar, right? And you said, I want to do a podcast. I'm like, I'm all in. I'm happy to help you, right? Yeah. And I offer that to everybody. Not a lot of people take me up on that, but if somebody needs help in direction, somebody needs help in getting a job, somebody needs help in whatever, right? Uh, we're happy to assist them in a way in which um, we connect them with the right person. And sometimes yeah. it's me, usually it's somebody else, but I want them to understand they're unique. They can do what they want to do as long as they write it down. And number three, that they um, that collaboration is usually mm -hmm. more effective than uh, trying to like grind through it yourself. Yeah, no, and I think that's a big reason I've always respected you a lot, Dan, and looked up to you because you've I've noticed you always make time for people. Um, and obviously, you're a busy man, like you said. You're speaking all these different countries. You've been part of all these these huge startups, um, but you practice what you preach like obviously you've got on your website they're doing the most good for the universe but i think often people will say that but the reality is quite different whereas i think you've always got an open door and i think that's you know one oh, of the so great nice. things about dan tire um i, well, I just I wanted... try to do that and that's intentional right my job yeah. is to inspire you right you're twice as smart as i am right you have another 30 40 years in uh, your life probably 50 how are you gonna live to be 100 michael uh probably yeah with with the way technology is going i try to keep fit as well my uh, my dad's a fitness freak he's 77 and he's still running half marathons so if i can if i can do what he's doing then I've okay so if you chance. exercise do you eat meat yeah. that's one of the uh, indicators uh i do eat meat but I'm, I'm starting to cut down at the moment okay so, that's good yeah. do you drink alcohol uh, again, in moderation, I'm not a huge drinker. Compared to most British people, I, I hardly drink. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, those, exercise, good diet, yeah. sleep, and um, no alcohol, no weed. I'm not going to yeah. ask you if you smoke weed because personally, I don't care. But if you want to <laughs> live to be 100, right, that's an important component, right? Yeah. And in the next 20 years, 20 years, Right, they're going to uh, be able to slow down the aging process. In the next 30 wow. years, they're going to have uh, the aging process of human cells to be able to go backwards. Right, so you'll be able to live to 130 if you like don't wreck your body. And uh, isn't that amazing? Do you want to be 130? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, but it's it's reminding me of that film. What is it, Benjamin Button, where Brad Pitt is uh, he's an old man that's Going getting backwards. younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I love I just, that film. That film made me cry. I'm a kind of a Brad Pitt fan. Actually, my wife is a bigger Brad, Brad Pitt fan, but... Um, yeah, I'm yeah. sure she is. <laughs> uh, all the way back to Thelma and Louise. That was his first movie. You ever hear the movie Thelma and Louise? Yeah, I know. I have, it's one of those on my list that I haven't seen, but I have to check okay, it out. Okay, you watch it. Yeah. Yeah. When Brad Pitt comes on the screen, you'll be like, who is this guy? He's a little skinny kid, right? Oh, wow. Like 18, 19. Uh, but he is a, a good looking man and it's like yeah. striking of how, uh, good looking he is. Right. Wow. Um, but in Benjamin Button, that's right. It's like, uh, the, the moving to 130 creates all of these, uh, different scenarios, right. Which are, um, fascinating from like a human being perspective. You obviously have more wisdom if you yeah. have a workable body, right. Uh, I think it bodes well for humanity. Right, we have to work through the sustainability issue and make sure that uh, we don't overcrowd the planet. Yeah. But I think that um, there's a lot of good things. I believe we live in the greatest um, like opportunity for um, like expansion of humanity 
in human history. We enjoy the highest level of uh, quality of living, right? There's lots of issues, lots of problems, but the reason I remain incredibly positive is because uh, they're all solvable, right? It's all just a question of being intentional of figuring out what we really want to do. And I think like survival of humanity is probably a pretty important uh, component of that. And then we just have to apply the priorities so that we get where we need to go. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, going. Uh, yeah, talking less about Brad Pitt's looks and uh, going back to <laughs> your your experience in in startups. So, as I said, one of the things was interesting for me when you were giving your biography at the start was, um, you know, all these other companies you'd been involved in. Obviously, I, I know about HubSpot. I know you were the first salesperson. I'd heard that story. Um, but I hadn't heard, you know, about others. So obviously, it's not just HubSpot. You've seen like. Um, no, it's just, I'm a startup guy. I like exactly. startups. I like the energy of startups. I like making an impact, right? I, I'm not a very academic person. In fact, uh, no. I graduated sixth from the bottom in my class, right? I tell everybody I'm in the 99th percentile and no one really knows what that means. But I was not a good student, primarily yeah. because uh, I had to work my way through college, number one. Number two, I didn't really want to talk about it, right? Yeah. What I really wanted to do was do it. Yep. And uh, in that regard, um, I, I like to actually do things, right? I like to get out and do it to, for better or for worse. One of the things about uh, my personality characteristics is even if I suck at something, I'll still try. And I have ability to like uh, suck for a little bit and then constantly yeah. improve. My learning style is I can't read it in a book and apply it. My buddy yeah. Morgan Jacobson is brilliant that way. He'll yeah. like read it and he'll say, I got it. And then yeah. he'll be able to, and he does have, it. for me, I got to do it. And then I got to fall, fall into a couple of potholes and like, I'm never doing that again. And then, oh, now I get it. And then once I get it, right, uh, I'm pretty fastidious of applying it on a regular basis. And so I like startup energy. I like doing um, startups in 2019 that are socially responsible, right? And I think yep. that's an important component. One of the greatest things about HubSpot is that uh, when we started, we wanted to help everybody. And yeah. so the whole HubSpot Academy, the whole um, free templates, the whole free webinars, the whole uh, free education, HubSpot is all about helping uh, individuals grow better, right? Yeah. And I always thought that was a super impactful uh, like mission statement. And so uh, one of the reasons that I'm still with HubSpot 13 years in is it's synonymous with um, what I'm trying to do individually. And HubSpot's a huge brand and it's a great brand Right. The best part of HubSpot is that it's not a typical company. Right. We have great culture. Right. Uh, Katie Burke, our chief people officer, um, is a big champion of uh, diversity, inclusion and belonging. And uh, Jave Robles, who's our uh, director of diversity, right, uh, brought in the belonging piece. And um, like we want to make sure that we're helping our clients. We want to make sure we're helping our employees. We want to make sure we're helping our listeners, anybody who's involved in our entire ecosystem, our partners, which are critically important to our go-to-market strategy. And so um, like, like that startup vibe in 2019, the more people you help, the more successful you're going to be. And I think more and more people are understanding that and applying that in ways that um, help their company grow. Yeah. The three things that I do tell startups is number one, always have a plan. It's that intentional thing again, right? Always have a plan. I can't tell you the number of uh, folks that I say, all right, show me the three page business plan. And they're like, we don't have one. And I'm like, okay, it's hard to like accomplish something if you don't have a plan. And there's two parts to that. 
Uh, by the way, if anybody needs that uh, a plan or needs to answer, I have 10 questions, creating a successful startup in 2019 that I'm happy to uh, send to you. And awesome. uh, it's just like uh, a business plan in 2019 is just three pages. Yeah. But one of the most important pages is a financial summary of what you're going to do in the next 12 months, right? And uh, for startup companies, all like, like all planning is short-term planning. Yeah. Right. Uh, lots of people I talk to, like, uh, I'm going to grow to like a hundred million dollars in three years. I'm like, that's great. But what are you going to do in the next 12 months? How are you going to get your first 10 yeah. customers, your first 50 customers? So I always like to see that plan. The next thing I tell people is you got to hustle, right? Uh, it's not always apparent, but in the early days of HubSpot, it was every single day. It was Saturdays. It was Sunday because there was so much to do and there was only 50 people to do it right? Sometimes only 10 people to do it. So um, like that hustle is sometimes lost on folks, right? There's no real work-life balance for the first couple of years. And that's just, once again, you got to be intentional about that. And then the third thing is um, like, I, I'm a big believer of always being branded, right? No one would recognize me <laughs> if I didn't wear my HubSpot t-shirt or my Tire Angel t-shirt, right? Or one of the uh, t-shirts of my portfolio companies. And that's a good way in the 21st century of making sure that people understand what you stand for. So I, overall, those are my three entrepreneurial tips. Awesome. And then uh, in terms of, obviously, as you said, you, I think you said you made 35 angel investments. Uh, I can't remember what time period that was. Um, and obviously you've seen all these startups grow. So obviously you've been an investor and you've been an entrepreneur and you've, you know, been a salesperson. One of the things I'm seeing is I think often people are trying to raise um, investment when potentially they don't need investment just because it's kind of the thing to do nowadays. When, when do you think is the right time for a company to raise around and what advice would you give entrepreneurs when they're assessing whether they should be raising around or not? I think that's a, a, a very relevant point. Lots, I, I uh, uh, live in Arizona and I probably see 40 business plans per month. People will send me a business because I'm an investor here locally or um, they know me from HubSpot or my uh, work with HubSpot for startups or something like that. And um, there are two types of business plans. One is where a first time entrepreneur is asking for a million dollars to approve the concept. Um, and so I always ask them, I go, uh, Michael, have you ever raised money before? And 90% of them are like, no. I go, what do you think, uh, is it gonna be easier or hard to raise a million dollars? And they're like, it's gonna be hard. And I'm like, yeah, how are you gonna do it? They're like, I have no idea, that's why we're talking to you. I go, uh, well, unless you're a second time entrepreneur and you have a successful first time cash app, or you have a rich uncle, it's gonna be really, really hard to raise a million dollars. You can do it, and I know you read about it in Fast Company and Entrepreneur and Inc. that people are doing it, right? But like, that is a minority. Right, you're better off, right, approving the concept first, right? If you come to me and say, no, I have a million dollars of MRR, right? I have uh, 400 customers, right? I have three salespeople. I've generated um, like all of this business. I've got a website that's heavily traveled. And I'm like, really? There's three like stages for a business. The first is the ideation stage. And that's where I talk to most of the folks. They have an idea, but they haven't proven the concept. My philosophy is don't spend like nine months raising a million dollars because that's what it takes, right? Uh, take $40,000 and apply yourself to the business model so you can prove it. 
right? If you prove the concept and say, no, no, no I already have done all this stuff, especially on $40,000, then people will throw money at you, right? They will give you any money you want because you've already proven the concept. It greatly reduces their risk, right? It greatly increases your opportunity. Then it becomes a lot easier to raise that money. My friend, uh, Amelia Wilcox, runs a company called Incorporate Massage, right? She started it in her basement. She was a massage therapist, and now she, we employ 900 massage therapists across uh, North America. All employees, they're part-time, but they're employees, right? She's now $4 million, right? She started it with no capital, zero capital, right? And rather than going out and raise a million dollars, she said, I'm going to focus on my business. For seven years, she focused on her business. Now, when she hit $2 million, she's like, I need a little funding. She went out and raised half a million dollars. Then uh, as she continues to grow, she has more cash needs. So she raised another half a million dollars. But it's a $4 million business, right? Everybody wants to give money to Amelia because she's proved that she can manage that. She's proved that she can grow a nationwide company. She's been at the White House. She's talked at uh, Harvard Business School. Right, that's decidedly different than spending all your time pulling together a business plan, all your time uh, like trying to raise that money. And right, it's like um, business in the 21st century, it moves so quickly. If you spend all of your time on your, uh, like your raise, you don't have enough time to work with your customers. You don't have enough time yeah. to like figure out yeah. what's gonna change. You don't have enough time to like, so I'm a big believer, it's the Dan Tire, let's like get this bread. Let's just go yeah. do it. Take as little money as you can. That's the other thing I tell entrepreneurs. I ask them, have you ever lost a million dollars of somebody's money, right? And in uh, some of my uh, entrepreneurial initiatives, I've taken investment and then not been able to pay it back, right? Uh, I've lost a, a $100,000 investment by some of my investors. And let me tell you, that sucks, right? You don't wanna like have to walk around with that. So understand it's not just raising a million dollars. No one likes to lose yeah, uh, $100,000, right? So you've got to, it's in your best interest to make sure the business plan is going to work. Let's just, frig, let's just uh, uh, figure out how uh, the concept is going to work. And then once you take $40,000 on your credit cards, max everything out, do it, then it becomes a little bit easier to go out and raise the money, have the confidence and scale your business. Yeah, 100%. Uh, no, I liked a lot what you said. And it's, it's a, something I've seen a lot where people think they need investment just to prove the idea. And it's not always yeah. the case. Sometimes you're yeah. able to go out, do it yourself. You All know, the time. Cloud there are is certain business models, yeah. right, that um, take a lot of money. But those are typically left to uh, second time entrepreneurs, right? Or if you have access to capital, Right. Yeah. Um, in the early days of HubSpot, we started with our Series A about a year in. Right. There was yeah. a seed round of folks who uh, invested in the company. Right. But then um, the Series A, we were able to raise uh, five million dollars from General Catalyst because um, for our monthly number, we never missed in the first two and a half years. We had 27 yeah. months at HubSpot. And the way we did it, it was we we like killed ourselves it was very very hard right every yeah. single like nights and weekends all the time it's just that's what it had to do yeah and so that execution is a very important component when i say you got to hustle i mean you've got to like have a plan and then you've got to always exceed that plan or else you're an average company and if you really like uh hustle then uh if it's the right business model if it's not then you just change it but then that execution becomes an important component yeah. of your uh, culture and philosophy
Yeah. Something I, I just thought of at the moment, again, something I, I didn't know about you is, um, you know, as HubSpot was starting, you were primarily still in Arizona working remotely, but obviously you had Brian and, and the team out in Boston. Um, I'm also someone in your position. So like I've been working in London with CloudTask, who are predominantly in the, the US and Columbia. But what tips do you have for, you know, um, people who are working remotely? Um, but the, their headquarters is in another place, everyone's together. Um, what are the best tips in order for integrating with people who are actually on site while you're working remotely? Yeah, so a couple of things. As the first remote employee from HubSpot, right, uh, we mainly hired in uh, our major offices for the first eight years. Over the last two years, we've gotten really serious about remote hiring because uh, people, uh, quality people want a little bit more uh, flexibility in their life. And I think that we have almost 300 remote employees, right? Uh, number one, if you're managing remotely, you have to be acutely aware of the um, emotional intelligence and the feel for people you talk to, right? There's some tangible things like uh, making um, community available, making sure that um, you have multiple people who are remote talk to each other, making, making sure that they uh, meetings start on time, that there's somebody monitoring the Zoom chat pane, that, that there's a voice of the remote worker, that uh, they feel like they're being heard and um, accommodated, right? Uh, so that uh, they can feel uh, part of the team, right? And uh, developing remote skills is uh, critically important for uh, companies to scale in the 21st century. I never thought that, um, like, I wasn't um, actively involved in decision-making and things like that, even though uh, half the time I was 2,600 miles away. Uh, yeah. Because, first of all, I had great managers who always uh, accepted and understood that, um, that uh, we intentionally had somebody on site who would say, okay, what are the people who are on the Zoom call uh, feel like? Right? Actually, for the first eight years, it wasn't Zoom. It was like... Um, Go to meeting, which is not nearly yeah. as good as Zoom. Zoom is like awesome, great quality, great yeah. video, right? And, and I think that helps. And then uh, you want to create this sense of uh, community and belonging with Slack, with uh, people talking to each other, which an acknowledgement that uh, like creating uh, that level of community in a, a remote location is, is important. Awesome. Um, so we're coming up to, to near the end of the hour. So I'm going to ask you one last question, um, which is, well, it's two questions in one. One, where do you see HubSpot in 10 years? And two, because obviously you've got your slogan here, doing the most good for the universe. Where do you see the universe going in 10 years? All right. So uh, HubSpot is just in the second inning. This whole inbound thing, right, is uh, it's going to take 30 years to roll out. Right, and uh, super exciting to like lead the inbound uh, charge. I was a pioneer with Brian and Darvesh, right? Uh, but we're still getting started. We see more and more uh, people embracing this, but everybody is, it's the new rule of the way people buy, right? So it's an immovable force. So HubSpot will hopefully continue to lead that vision of getting increasingly more sophisticated of helping uh, people, companies, individuals grow better. Uh, for the universe, right, it's the best time ever to be alive, right? We face tons of challenges, all of which are um, solvable. We just need to make sure that uh, we make our right choices, that we work together and not blame, and then um, humanity can continue to enjoy uh, an upward kind of uh, approach. Awesome. Love it, Dan. And cool. uh, yeah, thank, thanks a lot for coming on the show. No worries. Nice to meet you, Michael. Nice to talk with you. Uh, and um, if anybody needs any help, Dan Tyrek up.